Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. So today we're going to be talking about shame. We're going to deal with shame. And if anybody is a human being on here and that's listening to us, we all are very acquainted with what shame feels like, right? So just go ahead and give us a definition. You got a definition? Mm-hmm. Cause I, give us a definition okay. of, of what shame is. And what's interesting is uh, it's actually two different, mm-hmm. I guess, parts of speech, right? So yeah. there's the noun shame, which is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the verb, which is a person or someone that will make someone feel ashamed. Yeah. So there's the act of shame mm-hmm. as well as mm-hmm. the feeling of shame. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to attempt in the time that we have here to deal with both. So when it comes to this whole idea of shame and it comes to, when it comes to like the guilt of wrongdoing, let's look at it from a natural point of view, right? Like you did something wrong to somebody. You offended them. You hurt them. There's that feeling of guilt that happens to us. Right. Which is natural. Guilt is not all bad. Guilt is just an alarm that says, hey, listen, you have a conscience. There's something wrong here. Mm -hmm. Confessing that guilt, understanding that my confession does not alleviate me from the possibility of consequences. It just opens me up to the responsibility that I have for what I have done. Right. Maturity says whatever the consequences for what I have done, I deserve it because I did it right. But the guilt aspect of it, once it starts getting to the place where it's negatively affecting us and limiting us, causing us to retreat from each other and from God, that is the realm of shame. Shame is probably one of the most corrosive of all the things that we've talked about. The idea of retreating and hiding and covering ourselves and not being able to move forward because of the reality of the situation. All of that is in the realm of shame. So I wanted to kind of look at a biblical story because I think that helps us to be able to see a frame of reference. And this story is going to actually help us to see God's perspective on it. And we're also going to see what these characters did, very popular characters that we all have heard about, (laughs) um, that what they did and how that caused a downward spiral of things getting out of control. Okay, so Genesis chapter two, verse 25, I'll read that verse first and then I'll jump to chapter three, verses six through 11. Okay. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Okay. So let's let that. That's just one verse. Right. But there's so much in that verse. So I don't have to read the whole creation story to us. We figure we just pull out one verse. Okay. That verse is basically telling us that when God created man, he created them and there was no shame. Okay. The Bible says that they were naked. They were naked, meaning physically naked, but also meaning that they were who they were, right? They were their bare selves. They were who God designed them to be, how God designed them to be. No clothes, 
And when I say no clothes, that means no put on, no emotional put ons. None of the things that we dress ourselves up with now because of other people. The beautiful thing about this one verse is it really shows us how God sees us amidst everything else. God sees you as naked, meaning all the stuff that we put on ourselves, all the way we dress ourselves up personality wise to make ourselves appealing to other people. At the end of the day, God sees you how he made you. Now, that's liberating because this applies to us who have made mistakes, too. God sees you beyond the mistakes. He sees who you can be. He sees the person who he desires you to be that you're not yet. But to him, you are. So the Bible says Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. So that means we weren't created with shame. That means we weren't created to be hidden. We weren't created with insecurities. We weren't created. We were created purposefully, meticulously, beautifully. Bible tells us we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That basically means that God took his time and was intentional about making you the way you are. Mm -hmm. That's the way how you look. That's, you know, your build. That's your personality. That's the timbre of your voice. That's your height. That's your genetics. That's your race. That's everything. That's you naked. God meticulously and wonderfully made you. And there's so many things that happen in our lives that fight that core dignity that God has created us with. So much pressure to be something that God never intended you to be. So much pressure to pick the right career. So much pressure to have the right lifestyle and the right circle of friends and the right this and that. All this pressure when God has really made it simple. I made you naked. And there was no shame. So then there comes the problem. Where did shame come from? Where did this whole idea of shame come from? Let's jump to chapter 3. So Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 to 11. Right? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 to 11 says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Okay. So let's let's wrestle with this a little bit for a couple minutes, because I think this speaks to the internal struggle that we all deal with. And it also kind of gives us a visual of the clash between the outside pressures and then the internal pressure we have of desiring to be accepted by other people. Right. And then accepted by God, which causes us to deal with all these internal things like shame. Okay, so let's look at this. Right. We just set the precedence that when God created us, God created us naked and with no shame. Right. Right. Now, notice naked implies that you have everything you need already. Right. And I want to look at it from a godly perspective. Right. Because most times when people think about that, they think about a lack. Right. 
So you think about I'm missing something. I don't have clothes on. I don't have enough. I don't have enough this. I don't have enough that. But when God says naked, what he's saying is you have more than enough. You are exactly how I designed you. You don't need that other stuff, right? So in this idea where shame comes from and, and how shame comes to be is the fact that they were given a choice. And God says, you can have everything in this garden, beautiful garden, everything except this one thing, right? There's this tree of the knowledge of good and evil that I'm sending here that I don't want you to touch right now. God never says you could never have it. He just says, I don't want you to have it right now, right? That's like the worst thing that you can tell somebody, right? Anybody that have kids, right? I got this for you, but you just cannot have it right now. Here comes, here comes the serpent. Well... Why is God telling you that you can't have it now? He lets you have everything else. I know what it is. Maybe God's hiding something from you. Maybe he doesn't want you to be like him. He's usurping his power over you. Ain't God arrogant? He's cocky, right? Why would he give you all this and not give you this? And you got to walk past it. You got to wonder. You got to be curious. All this stuff you got to do while you're in the garden. So instead of appreciating all of the stuff that they do have, they become enamored and enticed or seduced yeah. by the fact that they can't have Obsessed. this thing. Obsessed with the fact that they can't have this thing, right? So, like, notice what it says here. Once the woman says, she looks at the tree, right? And this is the don't touch tree, right? She looks at it and studies it. And she says, hmm, wow. Well, it does look like it would taste good. Yeah. And, and, and it does... Look pretty. Look how, look at, see, I'm looking at all these other trees. This the fruit on this one look extra juicy. It was pleasing. And, and maybe because it's a tree of knowledge and the fact that God is telling me I can't have it. Maybe there's some wisdom in this tree. Like maybe it's going to make me better than I already am. Right. And then because of those things, she said, you know what? I'm going to take this and I'm going to also share it with my husband. Despite what God said. Okay. I mean, we can't, but we can't omit the fact that she was being suggested to. Like, yeah, exactly. this, this was a suggestion, yeah, yeah. This was an external suggestion exactly. that caused the internal dialogue or the, the internal consideration mm-hmm. or deliberation with what she. Now, I mean, God told Adam. Right. But at the same token, I cannot imagine Adam not relaying it. Right. To her, when we deal with shame and guilt and the mistakes that we've made, oftentimes it's the suggestion and an external suggestion mm-hmm. that plays on our own. I and mean, there's a scripture that says we're drawn away by our own lust, lust right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the lusts internally that drive us to do what we do. And it's the external suggestions. And then we're left with the shame right. from something that didn't necessarily come from us. Exactly. It was external that we acted on and now we're dealing with the shame that comes with it or the stigma. So, you know, this example. Yeah, it speaks to it. It speaks to it. And notice that this this is one of the first stories in the Bible dealing with creation. Right. So it's dealing with the first beings. So you see how old this trick is. You see how old this burden is. This whole idea of shame is not something new. The Bible says that once they had taken of this, that their eyes were open and they realized they were naked. Now, let's go back, right? 
we said what the biblical definition of naked is in this text is naked implies a wholeness. Naked implies perfection. Naked implies you have bare bones, everything you need. You are perfectly made how God has you. No lack, no deficiencies, no anything. Now, once they start to look for something outside of God's command that tells them that they already have everything that they need, that's when they realize that they are naked. So now what's true? Were they really naked? Here, the definition of nakedness changes. And now nakedness to them becomes, I don't have enough. And now this is where it comes where we're dealing with our relationship with God and we feel like, we don't have enough, right? Or God hasn't given us enough to meet a standard that, if truth be told, is our standard for our life and not necessarily what God and that's, created I'm for us. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. And that's, that just speaks to what Satan always does, yep. that he w- once again distorts yep. the natural definition that God put in place for what something is and yep. he distorts it flips it and he and he suggests that God didn't mean what he said yep. when he said what he said no if he said that you were naked and it caused you to be unashamed because you had everything you need that's what he meant mm-hmm. but he he will turn flip it and turn it and suggest something else so now you're acting on what you now feel is not enough mm-hmm. or not sufficient he's given you everything you need but satan will suggest that it's not sufficient so now you act on impulse mm-hmm. and that's where sin comes into play because mm-hmm. you're acting, trying to find something to fulfill what you feel like is now a mm-hmm. deficiency. A deficiency, yeah. Just imagine, right? And, and, and we, we live in America, you know, in America, thank God for America, uh, but we can be very superficial, right? Our culture is very superficial. You got to look a certain way. You got to have certain things. You got to have known certain people. You got to have all these things are contrary to the way God made us. And a lot of us struggle with insecurity. A lot of us struggle with all kinds of stuff. When God is saying you are perfect, how I made you, right? You are perfect. How I designed you by default, the things that we say we need and the things that we, you know, desire, we have to make sure that we're not desiring them because of some external suggestions. That our society puts on us because that is a doorway to shame. Now, this is powerful here. When they realized that they were naked, they started to try to fix something that was not broken. So they began to sew fig leaves together and create clothes for themselves. And they started to hide from God. This implies that there was a relationship with God before all this. That's what I love about the Bible, right? The Bible always sets the precedence of the dynamics of a relationship with God and that what we do and what we don't do is not strong enough to separate us from God. If there's any separation from God, it's because we did it, not because God did it. So you can run around, do whatever you do, whatever, distance yourself from God. But God is always going to have his arms open waiting to receive you back to himself. If you come to a place of humility and understand that God is always going to have a level of receptivity to us because of the lengths that he's gone to to show us how much he loves us. Things like shame keep us 
from realizing that. And now the fact that you need clothes, the suggestion of that, the suggestion that you were born into the wrong family, suggestion that your life is not, you're looking at your peers and you're seeing what they have. And by this age, you should have had this. All that stuff is contrary to the weight of thinking that God desires for us to think. I'm hoping and praying that we can see how deep this whole thing runs and how uh, bound we can end up being and the level of freedom that the Lord is actually calling us to. Mm-hmm. So they take the fruit, they eat it, they realize that they're naked and then they sew fig leaves together and make coverings for themselves. And then here comes God. The Bible says God comes down, walks in the garden in the cool of the day. And when they hear God's presence coming, they run from it. They run away in shame from God's presence. Okay. Now, the interesting thing about this is God didn't expect them to run. Because God asks where they are. See, now this is powerful because this speaks to the heart of when we sin, when we mess up. When we're guilty, when we do things wrong, we expect God to come down and almost destroy our lives as if somehow he forgot how he made us. Right. God gave us a choice. To me, that is one of the most powerful things that God has given us. It shows how much he loves us, that we're not robots. At the end of the day, he presents us with things and he allows us to choose. In this scenario, man chose To go with the suggestions that there's a possibility that God was withholding something from me. There's a possibility that nakedness does not mean wholeness, but it means that God has pulled the wool over my eyes. And now I can see why my life should have gone this way is because God was withholding something from me. The Bible says God comes down, calls unto them and says, where are you? Which implies that he expected man to be where he left them, regardless of what they did. He expected to be able to see man coming to him because they messed up. But shame caused them to run away from the presence of God. So then man answers, I heard you coming, God, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Now, this question, God asks, who told you that you were naked? Now, God uses their definition of nakedness in his question. God says, who told you you were naked? Meaning, who told you you were deficient? And that's what shame does. Shame makes us feel like we're deficient. We're not worthy enough to come out into the light. We're not good enough to be seen because of what we've done. So you can have all the stuff we talked about. Forgive yourself. Overcome condemnation. But there still can be a part of you that doesn't come out in the fullness of who you are. Because there's still a part of you that's ashamed of what you did, didn't do, what you experienced. So as we're on our way to wholeness, there is a level of embracing that we are called to do. That's beyond confessing what we've done. There must be confessing what we've done and then relinquishing control and not allowing the perception of people to cause us to hide from the light that God wants us to walk in. So if we can encapsulate what this whole concept of shame is, shame is basically at the heart, our perception of how we feel 
people view us. And I, I'd like to just add yeah. people view us based off what we've done. Yes. Based off our actions or yeah. be our choices. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody can run from that. Right? We talked about various Bible characters who did stuff and it was very public. Like, there was scandalous stuff. Like, seriously. Like, you, it's not stuff that you can just, you know, throw the rock and hide your hand at. Like, right. these are very, very, very public stuff. And God yet required them to be able to walk in a level of freedom in the midst of opposition. And in the midst of people reminding them and shaming them and telling them what they did and why they're not qualified to be what God called them to be and why you don't deserve this and don't deserve that. Pointing the finger, pointing, looking down on people. And at the end of the day, if we're not careful, shame will cause us to define ourselves by the finger pointing. We will believe the label. We will believe the stigma. And that will cause us to walk in bondage with people always on top of our heads. And that is contrary to what the gospel is, right? There's no way for us to fully embrace what God has for us if we are walking around in shame. So with here, like, why, how, how do we deal with the definition of shame in its two parts? So the first part is the initial guilt, right, that we feel. The, the internal struggle, right? Uh, so the noun, let's go back to the definition. So it was, okay. the, the verb was... Um, the verb was to make, to feel, so that's someone people to feel ashamed, right? right? But and the, then noun the noun is, is a painful feeling of humiliation right. or distress right. caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. So that's what I want to talk about, right? How do we deal with the consciousness, the humiliation, the embarrassment? Right. And I was thinking about it, you know, whenever I was in an environment where, you know, I felt embarrassed or played or whatever it was, roasted, whatever the word is now that people use. My kids use roasted now. Oh, you've been roasted, burned. OK, <laughs> those and when you feel that. There's almost like it, it, it's 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 like you feel like you're targeted. Right. And a part of me always was. um I don't want to say envious, but I always looked at people who were able to laugh at themselves, right? Or not take themselves as seriously and really enjoy life and enjoy uh, things. There's an aspect of pride that plays into the degree that we're embarrassed. There's an aspect of pride that has um, the control of how much we feel we need people's approval. And we just got to be honest with that. At the heart of shame and embarrassment is pride. So you don't want to feel like your peers or your contemporaries are looking down on you for any way, shape or form. And unchecked shame leads to anger, leads to rebellion, leads to spitefulness, mm-hmm. leads to unforgiveness, bitterness. leads to all bitterness, all this stuff. And if we are not careful in coming into the truth that God says we are, not other people, we can fall into this downward spiral of dealing with these issues when the root of it is shame. The root of it is our egos were hurt. Our pride was bruised, right? So how do we deal with the embarrassment that we're feeling? And if we could say anything, it would be, there needs to be a revelation And this is what we need to pray for, that God would really help us to see ourselves the way he sees us. 
if we're going to concede to the fact that God created us and he created us intentionally, he created us with a purpose, he made us the way he made us on purpose, then if that's the case, then he knows why he did. And he's made us all valuable to this earth, not just to your friends, not just to your family, not just to your circle. You are valuable to this earth. From God's point of view, you are valuable to this planet, to this world. And there's something inside of you that God wants to excavate to bless the world. And in order for us to see that, we got to get past ourselves. And in order to get past ourselves, there must be a surrendering to the person who made us. And that's just as, as simple as it is. So, Lord, help me to see myself the way you see me. This is a very personal kind of thing for me. Um, because many, I don't know if and many of you know, I was adopted, right? I was adopted. I do not know my birth parents. I never met them. Never met my birth dad. Never met my birth mom, right? I was adopted, left at the hospital about six months. My mom was 13 years old when she had me, right? So whatever the conditions were, that's all I ever knew. And for years as a youngster growing up, I struggled with uh, rejection. I struggled with dealing with um, acceptance, and my identity, and who I am, and who God created me to be. I felt so deficient going to school things, and, 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 and people thinking my, my adoptive mother was my grandmother, or, you know, your dad is not here, or whatever it is, just dealing with that. Growing, going through the, the puberty stuff, and all that other stuff that, you know, learning how to tie a tie. All these little things, fixing cars, learning how to deal with a car, and all that. But there was so much that I had to deal with in, 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 in growing up. So feeling that shame, feeling like you're not enough, feeling like you're deficient, feeling like I wrestled with that for a long time, for a very long time. I struggled with that and nobody knew. Nobody had any idea. And just some, just right now, some of y'all probably be like, what, really? <laughs> but our life and our life together and my life is a testament to what God can do when you surrender to him and allow him to show the world who he made you, right? There's a scripture that in the Bible that says God will make beauty from ashes. That means God doesn't need a perfect canvas to create things. God doesn't need uh, a beautiful tapestry. God can take something that looks absolutely atrocious and make it beautiful in its time, though, right? So there was a process that I had to go through and dealing with the shame and dealing with the, 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 um, the feeling like, man, God, like, really? And I, 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 I there, there was times I felt like an alien. Like, I'm Clark Kent. Y'all want to know who Clark Kent is? It's me, right? <laughs> like, I came here in a spaceship and I landed here somewhere and that's just what it is, right? And, 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 de- and this is a reality that, that, that many people face and many people deal with in secret. A lot of people wrestle with these issues like, God, why was I born into this family? God, why am I dealing with this? God, why does everybody else seem to have stuff and I don't? And it causes you to hide. Mm -hmm. It causes you to cower down and not embrace the possibility that that God has another formula for the possibility of greatness. Like God doesn't need one plus one plus one plus one since for it to equal the answer. God can take God. God created math. So he could take someone who never had a father, never had a mother, insert him into a family that will make him feel whole. Have him marry someone whose family will embrace him as a child, as a son, and then make him whole and then make him a blessing. Why can't God do that for you? 
But we pigeonhole God because we are looking at the tree that he told us we can't have right now. And it's not until the right time comes when God reveals to you the why. That your life itself is a blessing. See, now that I've shared that with you and now you've had you've been able to experience me and experience us. Now you can see, man, really? That was always my backstory. But it wasn't until I surrendered to God and I said, Lord, I just want to be what you created me to be. That's it. And it was a simple prayer. And I just went after God. I just went after God. I just got connected to a community that would strengthen me. I opened up my spirit to what God would have me to be. And I'm still a work in progress. God knows he's still working on me. However, I'm not what I could have been if I didn't surrender to God. And if I allowed shame to consume me and stayed in the dark because I didn't have everything everybody else had. We probably wouldn't be. And that's what I was just going to say. That's Mm -hmm. why this whole series is so important. It's vital because Mm -hmm. we don't realize when you come to into salvation, you know, you accept Christ. But then, like you said in the beginning, you come with all of your things with you. So all of these things that we're addressing will cause us to revert back and sort of retreat back into our shell. So. And within our shell, we've accepted Christ in our heart, mm-hmm. but we're in a shell. So we're no good to the rest exactly. of the world around us are yeah. the people that we would be affecting. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if you had a retreated and stayed in that shell of insecurity and shame and embarrassment and rejection, then people wouldn't be able to be impacted. Yeah. So that's why addressing these things so that we can assess our own lives and see because your your deal may not be you don't forgive yourself it may not be shame but you may deal with rejection mm-hmm. which causes you to be angry or bitter mm-hmm. like the and but these are all things that prevent us from fully being matured and sanctified into the complete person yeah. heading back towards that perfection yeah. that we once were in the garden mm-hmm. you know sin came and interrupted that and caused us at that moment, we flesh died and we're heading towards death. Mm-hmm. When you're born, you're heading towards death. That's mm-hmm. just the reality. Yeah. But spiritually, we're all striving to head back towards that perfection yeah. that we once were in the garden. So all of those things will prohibit us or prevent us from becoming that perfection that God initially created us to be. So mm-hmm. addressing them is vital. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the scripture that really helped me. And this is the scripture that kind of uh, uh, confirms what we are encouraging all of us to do. Um, This is Psalms 34, 4 and 5. And it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. I sought the Lord. Sought right there meant I frequently visited the Lord. I frequently regarded the Lord. I wrestled with myself and brought that to God. When I was dealing with my internal issues and I was dealing with my identity, I was struggling with shame and struggling with hiding and feeling unworthy. 
I brought that to the Lord and he heard me. I can't tell you when he did, but he heard me. I have to believe that as soon as I come to the Lord, he hears me. And I may not see the results of him hearing me, but I have to trust that he heard me. And then eventually he delivered me not from the people. Right. He didn't deliver me from the people that would look at me and be like, well, what gives you the right? I mean, first of all, you're so young. Like, what do you have to say to me? Like, what, what, like what, what all the things that we tell ourselves to disqualify ourselves. And a lot of times it's finger pointing people. God didn't deliver me from that. He delivered me from my fears. So my anxieties about stepping out, my anxieties that what if I do come out of my shell and tell people my story? What if I do, you know, uh, confess that I messed up and, 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 and deal with them? What are they going to do to me? He delivered me from all my fears. And then the, the scripture confirms it. Those who look to him are radiant. That means me looking to God, you're going to see God's reflection off my life, not me. So y'all are seeing what y'all are seeing every week and what y'all are getting. We take no credit for it. This is the radiance of God that's coming from a surrendered life to God, which you all qualify for if you're willing to just surrender your life and give it to the Lord. Absolutely. This is it. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Lord, we thank you and we praise you you for this session. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for addressing those things in us, God, that need to change. I thank you and praise you for your grace that has kept us and allowed us to endure what we cannot change. I thank you for your favor to obtain the things that we cannot on our own, God. I thank you for the mercy when we fall short of where we should be and we fall short of the mark, God. I thank you for covering us, God. We thank you and we praise you, Jesus. We hope you've been blessed by what we share. You can follow us at Sunny Devotionals on Instagram and like us on Facebook, where we can continue our discussions and keep in touch. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.